Volume One, Chapter Nineteen of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gwen Wynn, A Romance of the Why by Main Reed. Chapter Nineteen: A Black Shadow Behind. In the Shire of Hereford, there is no such thing as a village, properly so called. The tourist expecting to come upon one by the black dot on his guide-book map will fail to find it. Indeed, he will see only a church with a congregation, not the typical cluster of houses around, but no street nor rows of cottages in their midst, the orthodox patch of trodden turf, the green, nothing of all that. Unsatisfied and inquiring the whereabouts of the village itself, he will get answers only farther confusing him one will say here be it pointing to no place in particular a second there with his eye upon the church a third over yonner nodding to a shop of miscellaneous wares also entrusted with the receiving and distributing of letters while a fourth whose ideas run on drink looks to a house larger than the rest having a square pictorial signboard with red lion rampant fox passant horse's head or such like symbol proclaiming it an inn or public not far from or contiguous to the church will be a dwelling-house of special pretension having a carriage entrance sweep and shrubbery of well-grown evergreens the rectory or vicarage at greater distance two or three cottages of superior class by their owners styled villas in one of which dwells the doctor a young esculapius just beginning practice or an old one who has never had much in another the relict of a successful shopkeeper left with an independence while a third will be occupied by a retired military man captain of course whatever may have been his rank possibly a naval officer or an old salt of the merchant service in their proper places stand the carpenter's shop and smithy with their array of reapers rollers ploughs and harrows seeking repair among them perhaps a huge steam threshing machine that has burst its boiler or received other damage then there are the houses of the hoi polloi mostly labouring men their little cottages wide apart or in twos and threes together with no resemblance to the formality of town dwellings but quaint in structure ivy-clad or honeysuckled looking and smelling of the country farther along the road is an ancient farmstead its big barns and other outbuildings abutting on the highway which for some distance is strewn with a litter of rotting straw by its side a muddy pond with ducks and a half-dozen geese began to giving tongue as the tourist passes by if a pedestrian with knapsack on his shoulders the dog barking at him in the belief he is a tramp or beggar such is the herefordshire village of which many like may be met along wyeside the collection of houses known as rugs ferry is in some respects different it does not lie on any of the main country thoroughfares but a cross-country road connecting the two that lead along the hounding ridges of the river that passing through it is but little frequented as the ferry itself is only for foot passengers though there is a horse-boat which can be had when called for but the place is in a deep crater-like hollow where the stream courses between cliffs of the old red sandstone and can only be approached by the steepest pitches nevertheless rugg's ferry has its mark upon the ordnance map though not with the little crosslet denoting a church it could boast of no place of worship whatever till father rogier laid the foundation of his chapel for all it has once been a brisk place in its day of glory ere the railroad destroyed the river traffic and the bargees made it a stopping port as often the scene of rude noisy revelry 
it is quieter now and the tourists passing through might deem it almost deserted he will see houses of varied construction thirty or forty of them in all clinging against the cliff in successive terraces reached by long rows of steps carved out of the rock cottages picturesque as swiss chalets with little gardens on ledges here and there one trellised with grapevines or other climbers and a round cone-topped cage of wicker holding captive a jackdaw magpie or it may be parrot or starling taught to speak viewing these symbols of innocence the stranger will imagine himself to have lighted upon a sort of english arcadia a fancy soon to be dissipated perhaps by the parrot or starling saluting him with the exclamatory phrase god damn ye go to the devil go to the devil and while he is pondering on what sort of personage could have instructed the creature in such profanity he will likely enough see the instructor himself peering out through a partially open door his face in startling correspondence with the blasphemous exclamations of the bird for there are other birds resident at rugg's ferry besides those in the cages several who have themselves been caged in the county jail the slightly altered name bestowed upon the place by jack wingate as others is not so inappropriate it may seem strange such characters congregating in a spot so primitive and rural so unlike their customary haunts incongruous as the ex-belle of marble in her high-heeled boutines inhabiting the ancient manor-house of glingog but more of an enigma indeed a moral or psychological puzzle since one would suppose the, the very last place to find them in and yet the explanation may partly lie in moral and psychological causes even the most hardened rogue has his spells of sentiment during which he takes delight in rusticity and as the ferry has long enjoyed the reputation of being a place of abode for him and his sort he is there sure of meeting company congenial or the scent after him may have become too hot in the town or city where he has been displaying his dexterity while here the policeman is not a power the one constable of the district station dislikes taking and rather steals through it on his rounds notwithstanding all this there are some respectable people among its denizens and many visitors who are gentlemen its quaint picturesqueness attracts the tourist while a stretch of excellent angling ground above and below makes it a favourite with amateur fishermen centrally on a platform of level ground a little back from the river's bank stands a large three-storey house the village inn with a swing sign in front upon which is painted what resembles a triangular gridiron though designed to represent a harp from this the hostelry has its name the welsh harp but however rough the liming and weather blanched the board however ancient the building itself in its business there are no indications of decay and it still does a thriving trade guests of the excursionist kind occasionally dine there while in the angling season piscator stays at it all through spring and summer and if a keen disciple of isaac or an ardent admirer of the wise scenery often prolonging his sojourn into late autumn besides from towns not too distant the sporting tradesmen and fast clerks after early closing on saturdays come hither and remain over till monday for the first train catchable at a station some two miles off the welsh harp can provide beds for all and sitting-rooms besides for it is a roomy caravanserai and if a little rough in its culinary arrangements has a cellar unexceptionable among those who taste its tap are many who know good wine from bad with others who only judge of the quality by the price and in accordance with this criterion the boniface of the harp can give them the very best 
it is a saturday night and two of those last described connoisseurs lately arrived at the wyside hostelry are standing before its bar counter drinking rhubarb sap which they facetiously call fizz and believe to be champagne as it costs them ten shillings the bottle they are justified in their belief and quite as well will it serve their purpose they are young drapers assistants from a large manufacturing town out for their hebdomadal holiday which they have elected to spend in an excursion to the wye and a frolic at rugg's ferry they have had an afternoon's boating on the river and now return to the harp their place of put-up a flush of talk over their adventures quaffing the sham chamois and smoking regalias not anything more genuine while thus indulging they are startled by the apparition of what seems an angel but what they know to be a thing of flesh and blood something that pleases them better a beautiful woman more correctly speaking a girl since it is mary morgan who has stepped inside the room set apart for the distributing of drink taking the cigars from between their teeth and leaving the rhubarb juice just poured into their glasses to discharge its pent-up gas they stand staring at the girl with an impertinence rather due to the drink than any innate rudeness they are harmless fellows in their way would be quiet enough behind their own counters though fast before that of the welsh harp and foolish with such a face as that of mary morgan beside them she gives them scant time to gaze on it her business is simple and speedily transacted a bottle of your best brandy the french cognac as she makes the demand placing ten shillings the price understood upon the lead-covered counter the barmaid a practised hand quickly takes the article called for from a shelf behind and passes it across the counter and with like alertness counting the shillings laid upon it and sweeping them into the till it is all over in a few seconds time and with equal celerity mary morgan slipping the purchased commodity into her cloak glides out of the room vision-like as she entered it who is that young lady asked one of the champagne drinkers interrogating the barmaid young lady tartly returns the latter with a flourish of her heavily shinned head only a farmer's daughter or oh, exclaims the second tippler in drawling imitation of swelldom only the offspring of a chore bacon she's a monstrously crummy creature you know devilish nice gal affirms the other no longer addressing himself to the barmaid who has scornfully shown them the back of her head with its tower of twisted jute devilish nice gal indeed never saw spicier stand before a counter what a dainty little fish for a farmer's daughter say charlie wouldn't you like to be sellin' her a pair of kids juven's best helping her draw them on eh by jove yes that would i perhaps you'd prefer it being boots what a stepper she is too suppose we slide after and see where she hangs out capital idea suppose we do all right old fellow i'm ready with the yardstick roll off and without further exchange of their professional phraseology they rush out leaving their glasses half full of the effervescing beverage rapidly on the spoil they have sallied forth to meet disappointment the night is black as herborous and the girl gone out of sight nor can they tell which way she has taken and to inquire might get them guide if not worse besides they see no one of whom inquiry could be made a dark shadow passes them apparently the figure of a man but so dimly descried and going at such rapid gait they refrain from hailing him not likely they will see more of the monstrously crummy creature that night they may on the morrow somewhere perhaps at the little chapel close by registering a mental vow to do their devotions there and recalling the bottle of fizz left uncorked on the counter they return to finish it 
and they drain it dry gulping down several goes of b and s besides ere ceasing to think of the devilish nice gal on whose dainty little fist they would say like fitting kid gloves meanwhile she who has so much interested the dry goods gentleman is making her way along the road which leads past the widow wingate's cottage going at a rapid pace but not continuously at intervals she makes stops and stands listening her glances sent interrogatively to the front she acts as one expecting to hear footsteps or a voice in friendly salutation and see him saluting for it is a man footsteps are there besides her own but not heard by her nor in the direction she is hoping to hear them instead they are behind and light though made by a heavy man for he is treading gingerly as if on eggs evidently desirous not to make known his proximity near he is and were the light only a little clearer she would surely see him favoured by its darkness he can follow close aided also by the shadowing trees and still further from her attention being all given to the ground in advance with thoughts preoccupied but closely he follows her but never coming up when she stops he does the same moving on again as she moves forward and so for several pauses with spells of brisk walking between opposite the wingate cottage she tarries longer than elsewhere there was a woman standing in the door who however does not observe her cannot a hedge of holly between cautiously parting its spinous leaves and peering through the young girl takes a survey not of the woman whom she well knows but of a window the only one in which there is a light and less the window than the walls inside on her way to the ferry she had stopped to do the same then seeing shadows two of them one a woman's the other of a man the woman is there in the door mrs wingate herself the man her son must be elsewhere under the elm by this says mary morgan in soliloquy i'll find him there she adds silently gliding past the gate under the elm mutters the man who follows adding i'll kill her there i both two hundred yards further on and she reaches the place where the footpath debouches upon the road there is a style of the usual rough crossbar pattern proclaiming a right of way she stops only to see there is no one sitting upon it for there might have been then leaping lightly over she proceeds along the path the shadow behind does the same as though it were a spectre pursuing and now in the deeper darkness of the narrow way arcaded over by a thick canopy of leaves he goes closer and closer almost to touching were a light at this moment let upon his face it would reveal features set in an expression worthy of hell itself and cast farther down would show a hand closed upon the haft of a long-bladed knife nervously clutching every now and then half drawing it from its sheath as if to plunge its blade into the back of her who is now scarce six steps ahead and with this dread danger threatening so close mary morgan proceeds along the forest path unsuspectingly joyfully as she thinks of who is before with no thought of that behind no one to cry out or even whisper the word beware End of chapter 19